Hey, leaders, and welcome back to the Secrets of Leadership podcast. I'm Adam Cubbage, and I equip people to lead, develop, and achieve at every level. I'm a combat veteran, a family man, and I'm the reason we have warning labels. I'm Tracy Winter, and I coach neurodivergent professionals. I'm a performer professional dancer. I'm a PhD in human development, and I would like to pet your dog, please. And we're here to demystify the secrets of leadership and clear the smoke obscuring the art and science of leadership so that you can be successful. We'll give you the why, the how, and the what of the relevant leadership principles and share some personal stories. As we do, you'll embody the art and science of leadership so that you can become an inspiring, memorable, and effective leader. You know, the kind of leader you always wished you had. When we come across someone interesting, we'll bring them to meet you so you can share in their expertise. And we'll probably laugh a bit along the way too. I think we'll laugh a lot a bit. So let's get started. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the secret of keeping your bleep together, your stuff together. How would we define the problem? The problem is everything that's going on in the world, all of the things, the whole world. So let's narrow it. Would it be the pandemic, the war in Ukraine, inflation, hyperpolarization, work from home, work-life balance, climate change? D, all of the above. <laughs> right. So as we wrestle with those topics and those things that do cause stress and affect us, how are we able to keep it together when the additional stressors of work and even our personal lives jump in there? So I, I you know, I, I think of... I partition for me or compartmentalize, you know, things that are within my control and things that are outside of my control. So when I hear you say, you know, it, all of those things are the problem, it, does that make you depressed or does it make you anxious? Um, again, do you all of the above? <laughs> but like the first place it goes is, is absolutely I'm depressed just like listening to that list. Okay. So what is it about that list that makes you depressed hearing it? Well, I think partly it's what you just said about something being outside of our control, but like sort of the evolution of that is I just feel helpless in the face of these problems. I really, the despair kicks in, um, you know, I can recycle and help climate change. I can get my vaccine and, you know, do that to help in the pandemic, but those small things don't actually feel like I'm making or can make a different impact on those bigger problems. And so the despair sort of kicks in as in this is, this is what I'm stuck in and I have no autonomy to do much about it. Mm. It's a nihilism. I like it. So I'm mm. with you. We need to stop recycling. Um, we need to be. No, yes, no, <laughs> don't be ridiculous. Of course we need to keep doing those things. I just think I, if for some reason, those things aren't enough for me to feel like I'm contributing to What's me? I can't hear you. You know, some of us keep wearing our masks, whatever we need to, whatever we, those little things we can do to contribute, you know, drive a hybrid car. And also I don't feel like it's having impact. Like I do those things and I don't see the needle move. Right. Mm. Because it's, it's such a drop in such a huge bucket. So 
it's just a little frustrating. And when I, so when my brain goes there, it just goes, you know, down the spiral. So I can, I can understand that, you know, and especially when it feels like what we're doing either feels like it has no effect or, you know, there's, there's something that maybe presents itself that is leading us to believe that we're not having effect. I would say, but if we shift our mindset and look at some of the bigger challenges, right? Like there's not a solution to climate change or the war or any of those things yet. Right. And that comes from the idea from Carol Dweck's book mindset, right? Where we look and say, you know what? There's no solution to those things yet. And just because I don't see the immediate impact from my efforts does not mean that there isn't one. And I think that, you know, that carries over into our personal lives as well, you know, with, and with leadership and with, you know, our professional lives and the things we have to do, we have to acknowledge that there are things that are inside of our control and there are things that are outside of our control and to the best of our ability, we have to not allow those issues that are patently outside of our control to stop us from doing what we can. I love where we're starting because I think we're uncovering a basic like ontological difference between us in terms of just how, how we come at the world. I think everything you said makes a lot of sense and sounds like a very rational way to deal with the problem that we're talking about. And also, and this is true for ADHDers, maybe out of sight, out of mind for ADHDers. If we can't see what's going on, if we can't see the effect, if we can't see what it looks like when it's done, like we have a hard time keeping up with the thing, doing the thing and not feeling like, why am I bothering? So I think it's that there's some, you know, overexcitabilities from the gifted world that are probably kicking in. Existential depression is a reasonable state of being for many highly and profoundly gifted people. So there's, I, I absolutely, like when you say it, I think that's, that's exactly, that's what I should do. That's how I should think. And then my brain goes, Nope. Yeah. I, I, so one of my, I guess, heroines, not, I guess she is a heroine of mine. Um, is Helen Keller. And I was so moved when I read her biography years and years ago. And one of the quotes that she has that has always stood out to me and I keep close by is when she said, I am only one, but still I am one. I can't do everything, but I can do something. And just because I can't do everything doesn't mean I'll refuse to do that one thing that I can do. And that's, and, and maybe it's my own stubbornness or stupidity that you know, keeps me going to keep doing that thing that I know I feel like I can and should do. It's, I take hope in that, right? And also a sense of responsibility. And I also think, you know, that there's sometimes, if we look, sometimes there's folks who think they need to focus on themselves. And if they do that, then all of the social issues will write themselves. And then there's others who look and, you know, generally speaking on the opposite side, think, well, if we take care of all the social issues, then all the individual problems will, you know, work themselves out. 
And there's a, a good and natural tension between those two. And I think it's a both and, not an either or. I think the common ground I'm hearing in all of this is that we both feel the weight of the problems. Mm -hmm. We're all feeling the weight of the problems, but our responses may be very different. Um, and I think this is true, not just for you and me, but for people in general, like we may not be conscious in our daily tasks that there is a war in Ukraine, but it's still there. It's still hanging out in our unconscious that there are people suffering, that mm -hmm. there is discord um, among very powerful forces in this world. And so that's affecting us even when we don't know it, that even through our unconscious. So I think it's a problem regardless of, the problem remains regardless of what your response to it is. And I just wonder like, why is, I mean, I guess like if they're, you know, philosophically I understand why is it a problem, but like really, why is this a problem for us? And well, I just, yeah. I'm sorry. I was, yeah, I was going to say like, I, you know, whether or not you feel like you're affected, I think psych, like you're saying, psychologically we are. Well, yeah. I mean, totally psychologically and physiologically we are. Right. Mm. And the, to me, this is kind of the crux of the problem because for some people, they're very conscious of things on a daily basis. Like epidemiologists are continuously conscious of the pandemic and what needs to be done. Um, Ukrainians and their families, obviously, like that's the only focus right now is survival and staying safe. And climate change scientists are always thinking about climate change scientists. Um, but for many of us, these ideas are on the back burner as we get the kids to school, prepare presentations, analyze data, decide what's for dinner, daily life. These are the things that we are conscious of. Yeah. And I, so that to me, you know, brings that idea of there's front burner problems and, you know, the back burner stuff and the, the front burner problems, the ones we always have in sharp focus and they bring whatever the issue presented with that challenge is into clear, clear focus, you know, and it heightens our consciousness. Whereas the back burner stuff, it, it, you know, we can, I feel like I can only deal with so many of these issues fit physiologically, psychologically, emotionally at once. So I've got to put stuff on the back burner. And when I do that back burner stuff gives, gives me a reprieve uh, to the unconscious issues that way, way down. I think, I think it does give you a conscious reprieve, but the key is that all of that crummy stuff is still on the back burner. It's not like you went and put it in the fridge to extend the metaphor, right? It's not gone entirely. So they're still smoldering, simmering away in the back of your mind. And the smoke that comes from them can get pretty thick, even if you don't realize that that's what's clouding up your thoughts. Mm. Yeah. And I think, so that's the, I would say the uncertainty and the change that gets forced on us. Right. Especially when there's like no end in sight that to me just, just evokes this feeling of anxiety. I think of when I was in the army and we used to do these, uh, organized runs, four mile runs, you know, once a quarter or whatever as a company, 120 people running. And every once in a while, the commander at the front would run past the end point. So if we started and ended it, let's say the company headquarters, we would take a four mile circular route, but every once in a while they would go a little further past and 
20 steps in, you would just see people, you know, fall out of formation because the anxiety and the uncertainty of not knowing, Mm -hmm. like we had this end in mind, like we, we two weeks to flatten the curve. Like we're going to stop here. This is the point. And when it kept going, that, that point can break a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, uncertainty, ambiguity, change, especially without like knowing where we're going with the change stuff happens the stuff is changing. And there's not, like you said, that end point, you know, that's what we're dealing with here. And our brains don't like ambiguity. Our brains don't like uncertainty. They are continually looking or continuously looking for patterns and the familiar and saying, okay, that's fine. We don't have to go on alert. As soon as there's ambiguity, as soon as there's uncertainty, our brains start to go on alert, you know, start to edge closer to fight, flight, freeze. And that's a difficult thing to manage when your brain starts to shut down, you know, in order to respond to alerts. But when there's alerts happening all the time, like that's not giving us our best brains to work with. So when those alerts are going off, what, what are some things maybe we put on the back burner that we shouldn't? Taxes. True. Uh, As we're recording this, it is March 18th. (laughs) And, you know, so we're a month away from filing taxes, but who does like, when you find somebody who didn't put their taxes on the back burner, I'm always like, really? Yeah. It's incredible. It's, it's like February and you've got your taxes done. Um, I didn't you know, know you so could do it before April 15th. I just thought, but again, I'm, had, I'm the I reason thought, we have warning labels. So don't go by me. Well, good call. <laughs> um, and I'm too busy petting dogs to do my taxes because I've got my priorities in order, but yeah. So like um, taxes, the big world stuff, um, when you've got that drip from your faucet and you just let it drip instead of like calling the plumber right away, you know, those kinds of things it's like, I can't take one more thing. It's just going to be how it is for right now. Um, and, and, that, and some of that stuff, like I said, we can't do much about. So the anxiety is even, even stronger there. Um, so we want to, you know, some of those things need to stay on the front burner, like our taxes, for instance. Mm. Um, so we want to make sure that we make the time and the space for that back burner stuff to move up into reflection, into examination. Um, we can't continuously pretend it doesn't exist. It's going to come up and smack us upside the head from within the head. Um, and it shows up when we least expect it or can handle it if we're not mindfully taking a look at these things. So one piece is to make the unconscious conscious. Go digging for what's on the back burner. It's almost like you're suggesting that bad news doesn't just go away or get better with time. Oh my God, you guys. <laughs> so... What I'm hearing, I think, is the when we get into the how of this, we want to, if we're going to move it to the from the back to the front, we're saying acknowledge it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think when I say acknowledge it, I want to be clear. Just because I acknowledge something doesn't mean that I agree with it. It means I'm acknowledging its presence, either in my life, in the room, whatever. Not supporting it, not saying I agree with it, but I have acknowledged it. Yeah, I think that's one of the answers to how we do manage all this stuff. Like, how are we functioning human beings in the midst of all these things? Because it can very easily just keep us in bed. Why bother getting up? Um, Which I've had those days too. But I do think the first step is to acknowledge it. We need to take it out of hiding, 
put light on it. You know, like the saying goes, if you can name it, you can tame it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that's always true, but I think that if you are shining that light and if you are naming it, it makes it more likely that you can manage it in a way that is more effective for your overall brain health and therefore more effective for your life. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. And I think that helps for me, that helps me make sense of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And if that reflection piece helps me understand why is this bringing me angst, right? Is it the, you know, threat of uh, uncertainty? Is it bringing into focus, you know, my, whatever I say, eventual death, I don't mean to be morbid, but you know, we have this morbidity kind of fear or is it fear of loss or is it failure? You know, what is that visceral reaction that's, that's giving me those feelings. And it, for me, the reflection piece helps me make sense of it. Yeah. I think that's the time and space part, right? You need to like make time and space in your busy day when you're already dealing with all the front burner stuff to be like, okay, this is a back burner time and reflect and develop what you think about this. And I even make the question simpler than why is this issue bringing me angst? I would just ask, what am I afraid of here? Because mm-hmm. that's really the, the underneath what you think you're feeling. It's fear. It's your brain being telling you, well, you know, something's not right. Be scared. So what am I afraid of here? And writing that down and figuring out what do I think about that? How do I feel about that? Both pieces. Um, so yeah, what I, there's a lot of things to be afraid of, but until we, until we say, this is what I'm afraid of, it's a hard, it's much harder to figure out how to deal with that fear. And I found just in, I'll use, I'll reach back and use a very benign combat example and just say in combat, when that fear overtakes us and it, it does, I don't care if you're Jocko Willink or, you know, any of those guys who go out there and present a good, and I'm not saying anything bad about them, you know, they present this uh, kind of, you know, quote unquote, alpha male leadership. But I can tell you, everyone's afraid in those situations. The, the immediate way that I have found to work with that is to think about the future outcome. Like I look towards, okay, this is making me afraid. What do I want to come out of this? Yeah, this is kind of looking a lot like our goals episodes at this point. I, I think right? so a little bit, right? But it's also, I know there's there's always going to be crummy stuff out there, right? There always has been through history. There will be, you know, it's the circumstances and the crumminess that are in front of us right now. I can look at that, reflect on it and understand, okay, you know, there is, you know, why am I afraid here? What's going on? But then I want to look and say, okay, where do I want this to go? What's the change that I want to be? Right. And start vocalizing it and calling out that forward direction, whether it's societal change or something on your own team at work, right? When we think forward and vocalize that progress, I think that's when we start to see action. And we've, I think, gotten past that point of just talking about the problem. And then we can start taking action on it. And for me, action feels better than waiting around for something to happen. I'm so shocked that you're in favor of action. I can't I even, don't even know who you are right now. Yeah. Um, it's. I agree that what you just described is one of the ideal ways probably to deal with this. One of them. Um, I would also say 
coming from my despairing place when I look at the world. To be kind and yourself and give grace to yourself and do the same thing for the people around you because we're all dealing with all of these things in mm-hmm. addition to whatever we're dealing with at home that might differ from, from your neighbor. Um, but like some days, maybe you do just, if you don't have kids, maybe you do just lie in bed for three hours and just check out with a book or, you know, have a Netflix and chill night and, and let the back burner be on the back burner, but doing it mindfully. Like I'm going to put these things on the back burner for now because I need a break. Like this is heavy. This is full of weight. Um, I'm very tired of holding it and taking it with me and walking. So I just need to take that heavy backpack off for a little while, get a break, and then I'll put it back on. And then I'll figure out what to do. But give yourself that space and that grace to do that. And also remembering to do it for the people around you. I mean, um, your team, your managers, your the clerk in the grocery store, right? The mantra in our house became with the pandemic when nothing was coming out ideally, right? Like no, no systems were working well. And the mantra in our house became, everyone's trying their best. If they could do any better, they would be doing it. Everybody's trying their best. But with this kind of weight holding you down, um, our best might not look like our best did another time, three years ago, four years ago, whatever. Um, and so being okay with that, like I am actually doing my best. This is what it looks like today. Maybe tomorrow it'll look like something else. Um, that's that's so pretty powerful. I like that. All of the things that you said, Adam, which were great things to do. But when that is like, I don't have it. I don't have the energy. I don't have the the brain space. I don't have the chutzpah. It's okay to take a break too. That's such fantastic advice. I really like that. I wrote it down here. I'm going to keep that with me. And I, it's such a great piece of simple advice that everybody's trying their best. And I was fortunate enough yesterday, I was listening to a presentation on trauma-informed responses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the people were talking about how in the medical community, doctors have to assume, you know, the patient's sick or whatever, you know, so they can begin diagnosing and treating. And with everything that we've been through is, you know, a world over the past couple of years, plus everything people have experienced throughout their life. You know, I always say we're a product of our experiences. We should assume that people have trauma. They have past trauma. Now, was it, is it still in their life? Is it still traumatizing? We don't know, but I think that goes back to not only checking on your people, which hundred percent agree, you're right. Check in and just, I would say, I hate to say assume, right. But come from the place that there's something going on. Like they're, you know, we're all fighting this invisible fight. We don't know who's dealing with what. So give them that grace, give them that space uh, that we can, you know, acknowledge, recognize, you know, and, and be forgiving of all of the things that are going on in our life. And I think that's when we're able to do that, that ties back to how are we able to keep our stuff together? you know, in these uncertain times. And a a big part of that is just being patient with ourselves and others. I think there's a place in in what you just said to, to remember one of the, you know, one of the things I think is super important for any leadership, self-leadership or, or other leadership. And that is first seek to understand. 
Mm-hmm. If somebody's not performing the way you think they should be performing, or you're not performing the way you think you should be performing, what we're talking about is is looking at it and trying to figure out what's going on. Ask some gentle questions. Find out what's going on for that person. Right. Assume positive intent. Um, I know assumptions aren't great, but that one seems to be a better one to me than some of the other ones that are possible. Mm-hmm. So assume positive intent and start gently asking some questions. How can I be? How can I support you? What you know? What's going on for you? I know this isn't your usual. Um, because we're all dealing with with all of these stressors, and we and we don't even know the ones that we're dealing with with each other. So, so that's a part of giving grace. I think is seeking understanding. That's great. So when we think about the takeaways for our listeners who incidentally are probably some of the smartest, best looking, funniest uh, listeners in all of podcast landia. Well, they certainly have very good taste in podcasts. We do. They do. What are some of the takeaways? So I want to give them uh, as, as we do here, we'd like to give you three, you know, little pieces that you can take action on with this. And for me, what has helped me, keep my stuff together in these times. First is that idea of the locus of control. There are things within my, you know, little realm corner of the earth that I can control and there's things that are not. And so I have to compartmentalize those things that are in my locus of control and not in my locus of control. And I would say, the first thing to do that you might even have to do before you do what you just said, it's the naming it, right? So the first thing to me is acknowledge that this is happening. Acknowledge that this is weighing on you, that this is part of your unconscious and make those unconscious weights conscious where you can, you know, decide what to do about them. Hmm. So I would think once I do that, I like to break those things down into what I call bite-sized pieces. Just, you know, I can't solve climate change, but if I broke it down into bite-sized pieces, I can contribute to recycling. I can go green. I can, you know, do all of those individual things that I'm supposed to be doing and encourage others around me to do it. Right. I may not see the effects tomorrow, but over the long term, I will. And the other, the, you know, the other thing for me is sort of along the lines of the last thing I said, which is when you feel yourself getting overwhelmed by the world, take a break. You do not listen, have to listen to the news every day. You do not have to check Twitter compulsively to see what the latest thing is. Put it on the back burner, knowing that you will return to it when you have the bandwidth. Yeah, it, it's so important to realize if you're stressed, so are your people, right? Whatever you're feeling right now, your the people around you in your personal and professional life are feeling it as well and likely probably more more intensely so i think with with those takeaways what we want what i want you to remember is it it's okay not to have your stuff together all the time You know, some days we're more ready than others. Some days we're better equipped than others. It's okay. There are going to be times when you just need to, like Tracy said, put the ruck down and just, you know, take a break. You know, we used to 
joke and say, you know, uh, put your ruck down, you know, take a knee, drink some water, change your socks. You know, those ideas when you're on a hike, you know, just take, take a few minutes for yourself, refresh yourself so you can get back into it. Yep. (laughs) Anything you just said. Absolutely. All of those things. Just remember to get back to it. Yeah. I've been emphasizing, take the break. Sometimes that break can get a little extended. So come on back because the world needs you. Absolutely does. So, well, folks, that's all the time we've got for today. We really appreciate you listening. Uh, You could have been out there doing anything. If it were me, I'd be playing with a toaster in the shower. But again, this is why. Hey, you know, I brush my teeth in the shower. Why not make breakfast in the shower too? But Oh, I'm groaning. You can't see the facials, but I'm so (laughs) groaning at these Continue, Adam. Wrap it's not up. like I would do anything silly like bring the butter in there because then that would get all wet. Ugh. Well, you're going to have soggy toast as it is. So well, like, I think we need to rethink this whole idea. I cook it so it's black, though. Are you not supposed to leave it in that long? Let's, let's continue this conversation offline. Okay. All right, yeah. folks. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next week. See ya.